0: You're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Grab your Bibles and uh, open up your Bibles uh, to uh, the book of Mark. I'll tell you a little bit later where to go. We got a few other chapters to go to in there. But you know, throughout this series, uh, I have been uh, contending that in order for us here in Saskatoon... Uh, to, if we're really interested in seeing our life networks accept Christ and see the church of Jesus Christ grow in our city, uh, then we need to reclaim a few things that the early church just got. They just, it just happened. We need to, first of all, reclaim the Jesus who constantly sat himself around tables of all kinds of people and ate with them. As the Bible describes him, he was, the, he was a friend of sinners and tax collectors, and he ate with people constantly. In other words, he would have loved to have hung around with the people that you least want to hang around with. Think of that. He would have wanted to hang around with the last person you'd ever want to hang with and eat with. In fact, he would have sought them out. Because as Jesus said himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was very intentional about how he managed his time and his attention. And as we reclaim that Jesus as our Savior, the second thing I think we need to reclaim is his method and his habit of eating meals with people. We need to seek people out to eat with them and spend time with them. Because friends, I think we, we have, have 2,000 years of church history that shows that the gospel is best shared and transmitted through relationships around hospitality and food. Our faith, our gospel, our Jesus is meant to show up in the everyday life experiences of our everyday life. And you can't get any more everyday than eating with people. It's as every day as breathing. We all got to do it, right? So why not include people from your life network? Why not include your neighbors while eating as you regularly do? And last week, we talked about reclaiming things like rest and play and making sure that you create space every day, every week to prioritize your relationship with God for helping your family do the same. That's the emphasis behind Sabbath and Shema that we learned last week. Um, Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, we have Jesus' words. He's confronted by a a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. And this Pharisee thought, yeah, I'm getting out that lightsaber. I'm just going to slice down this wannabe rabbi. And he just nails him with the question, the question, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus' answer was this. He says, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel. This is the Shema from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And he joins the two together. And that that first and second commandment, friends, that's our priority, isn't it? That priority is supposed to meet itself out in the everyday experiences that we have throughout our life network. Because quite frankly, if your relationship with God is not your first priority, if others cannot see that love for God in you, if they don't see you loving them that way, then you will never reach your life network with the gospel. Those people that you love will face a Christless eternity. And I know that you and I don't want that. So they need an example from us then, don't they? A a real follower of, of Jesus kind of an example, and not what we talked about last week, a hypocrite. A hypocrite, someone who says they love God and says they love their neighbor but never spends time with either. So today, I want to talk about something else we need to reclaim. As you read the Gospels and you see Jesus eating at people's houses, have you ever noticed what Jesus did at their houses? From the first account that we have of Jesus eating a meal, it was at the wedding of Cana, what we started this series with, and then eating at Peter's mother-in-law's house, and then eating at Levi, the tax collector's house, and then later on, in fact, at, near the end, uh, before his arrest, he's having supper at Simon the leper's house. What do we see Jesus doing? And he ate many more meals in between. I'm just sort of cap, capstoning them, bookending them. He does three things, actually. We see him eating. We see him healing. And then he explains something about the kingdom of God every time. I don't know if you've noticed that, but every time he eats, he also heals, and then he also explains something about the kingdom of God, oftentimes in a parable or or teaching. Now, just track through Matthew's gospel, and I love it. It, it. It gives us a beautiful report of what he did while eating with people. Jesus heals a paralyzed, he heals paralyzed people. He heals crippled people. He heals diseased people. He raises a young girl, brings her back to life and gives her back to her family. And then he asks the mom to make up some food. He opened the eyes of of the blind. He, He touched the vocal cords of the mute and made them open to be able to speak. He did all these miraculous things. And as he heals, he then presented himself and the kingdom of God to them in people's houses around food and fellowship but then we see a shift near the end of matthew's uh, matthew chapter 9 matthew chapter 9 if you'll turn with me there we read this accounting jesus went through all the towns and villages and teaching in their synagogues and in between you saw how he also ate with a lot of people and then it says he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's the Jesus that we need to reclaim, isn't it? Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. What's the product of a harvest? Food. In other words, I can't reach everyone by myself, he says. I need you 12 to do what I have been doing. Actually, I'm going to need even more than just you 12. And then again in Luke chapter 10, he says the same thing to the 72 other disciples that he had. And then he sends them out to do what he had been doing. Jesus knew that the expansion of the kingdom of God needed more than his own attentiveness and the efforts of his own disciples in order to minister and seek and save people. To bring salvation to the world, he was going to need even more than those 84 disciples. He was going to need an army of believers to make it happen. So in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 to 8, we see Jesus authorizing his disciples and then sending them out with these instructions. As you go, do what I have been doing. Listen to it, Matthew 10, 7 to 8. Jesus says, As you go, proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus' instructions were pretty clear. Very clear. A little bit later, he says the same thing to the 72 in Luke 10. It says, he says, stay there in the houses that you're at, eating and drinking whatever they give you, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and heal. To make it simple, he was telling all his disciples to claim his method of seeking and saving the lost. He says, do what I have been doing. As you go, Eat, heal, proclaim the kingdom of God as you go. That seems a little too simple, doesn't it? Could it be that easy? If you are a follower of Jesus, you know that we have been given this great commission from Jesus. Matthew 28, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We've been given the marching orders from Jesus himself to make disciples of the whole world. We are to claim his method as our own. Eat, proclaim the kingdom of God, demonstrate the reality of that kingdom by healing the sick, raising the dead, and driving out demons. Now, I know that some of you kind of get hung up on that phrase, raising the dead. Some people take this passage figuratively, saying Jesus meant bringing spiritually dead people back to life. That's not what Jesus says. And that's not what Jesus did. He actually brought cold, dead corpses back to life. Have you ever seen a resurrection? I don't think I have. You know, the challenge for us who believe is to not limit Scripture by our own experiences and by what we've seen with our eyes. Or our own ability to reason and believe. I've prayed for people who have died, but I have not yet seen a resurrection. However, I still pray. There are, however, multiple instances where it has been recorded, even here in North America, even by qualified physicians who have seen the dead come back to life. I have just received a two volume set. Like, look how thick that is. Like, that's a thousand pages. That's just my summer reading fun. Um, but it's the credibility of the New Testament accounts. That's volume one. Volume two is the credibility of modern-day accounts, and he goes into all kinds of different healings and miracles, even raising the dead. You want to borrow it after I'm done, you're more than welcome. It's a two-volume set by Dr. Craig Keener. It's available on Kindle, too, if you want to get your reading in the summer as well. But he just finally said, you know, enough is enough. I'm a New Testament Bible scholar, and I read this all the time, but do miracles happen today or not? And so he ventured out to research claims, and he followed up on the evidence, not just the biblical evidence, but also the modern-day evidences. And he figured out by his research, I mean, the the bibliography of, of sources at the back is this thick. And he searched it out, and he said, yes, miracles do happen today, even raising the dead. And you know what? If we are Christians who believe in a Jesus who rose from the dead and who we've seen in the Bible others rise from the dead and we hear these missionary stories of it happening, then we must claim that God can do it, whether we've seen it or not. I've prayed for people, as I've said, and I'm, and I'm sure many of you have prayed for people as well, whom the doctors have said, you know what? Call the family they're probably not going to make the night. And we pray. And maybe you've seen it happen where God spares their life and they go home healed. I had an aunt. That happened to twice. And we pray and God spares their life and they go home healed. My own wife, the doctors, you know this story. My doctors, the doctors took me aside one time when she was not coherent. She was out of it. And they said that because of her condition... Uh, meningoencephalitis, uh, that she probably wouldn't survive. But if she did, she certainly would not be the same. they told me that I I couldn't know what to expect. So we all prayed. People from all over the world that we knew prayed. And guess what? My wife is somewhere out here in the audience with you all. She is healed of it. God raised her from a, a place of dying. Like she just... And, and I think she's all there still. Like, <laughs> God spared her from death. It was a pre-resurrection. He raised her up. Here's, what, here's the way to think about it, okay? Try to wrap your head around this. If you were in the room with a sick person, someone with an ailment, and if Jesus was in that room with you, what do you think he would do? Yeah? He'd heal that person, right? Well, guess what? He is in the room with you. He is in the room with you. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He has promised to be with us, to indwell us. Wherever we go throughout our life network, he is with you. And he has given us permission to pray, to heal, to deliver, to resurrect. Now, we don't see it a lot, some of us. And I think there's reasons for that. But why do we have trouble believing what we say God can do, but we really don't believe it? What I'm trying to say and get at is this. If we see sick people around us, we do. We see sick people around us every single day, don't we? People in our life network who suffer with chronic illness, pain, arthritis, headaches. People who, in our neighborhoods, are living every day tortured by loneliness, loss, and some even by abuse. We have people walking alongside us in the mall, or maybe you've even overheard them in cafes. Talk about how depressed and anxious they are. People who are in need of healing Cross our paths everywhere we go. And what did Jesus say? He says, As you go, eat, heal, proclaim the kingdom of God. And he promises to be with you as you do what he did. We have been told by Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. I spent a year meditating on this passage where Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whoever, that word whoever is a big encompassing word. Whoever believes in me will do what? The works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things in these because I'm going to the Father. He's talking about the, the ascension and dissension and of the Holy Spirit. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, he says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I wrestled with whether I could really believe that. And so I just said, Lord, it's in your Bible. You've said it. I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to act on it, and I'll leave the results to you. That's faith. That's all we have. We know this isn't just for the 12 or the 72 disciples, because in the book of Acts, Jesus continues, gives us Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then he continues by giving this, the, the, uh, the early church continues in this, as you go ministry. And there weren't even always apostles around to do the miraculous. Acts 8, verses 1 to 4, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. In other words, the rest of the church, not including the apostles, scattered passed out past Jerusalem. But Saul, this is before he became Paul, the apostle. Paul was, uh, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and wo- women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered... This is the regular believers that were addressed earlier. They were the ones, not the apostles, the regular believers were the ones who preached the word wherever they went. As you go ministry, folks. They did what Jesus had been doing. They did as you go ministry. So as you go where? Wherever it is that you go in your life network every day. Among your family among your friends, in your hobbies and interests and sports activities, as you go to work or school, as you go to church, or even as you're just out and about in the world walking down by the river, uh, eating at a restaurant, or at a lineup at Tim's or Starbucks, or at a store that you usually frequent. That's your life network, isn't it? And don't forget that you, you invite people over to your home and to your patio this summer. Go out for ice cream with them. Plan a block party. And if they express a need or a hurt in their life, and it often comes up, or a relationship problem, just say, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. And he has said that I should pray for people that have needs or that need healing. Let me pray for your need. And let's watch God work. I prayed for a gal at the till of a consignment store and she, she had a, a wrist brace on and I thought, well, should I bug her? Like, she's, she's obviously working and, and I just pointed out the wrist brace and said, can I pray for your arm? What happened? And she explained, line of people. We prayed for her. We've seen God heal up here at the prayer pew after the service. But you know what? I'm convinced that If we, the children of God, filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, would step out into our life network and our neighborhoods and pray for people regularly, we would see more of the miraculous happen on a regular basis, like the early church did, as you go into your life network. The best way, I think, that we can see this in our lives, to begin to reclaim this, is to reclaim walking in prayer everyone who believes has heard the phrase walking with god or, or the christian walk we say it in order to describe the ordinariness yet the supernaturalness of our relationship with this awesome being that we call god it's not just because it's not it's not just believing up here or in here It's walking out what we say we believe. It's what we call putting feet to faith, right? Except the only thing holding your faith back is fear and laziness. Sorry to be blunt about that. I was blunt last week. Again, sorry. But that's where walking and prayer come in, I think. Join them together and you have prayer walking. Lots of people have trouble staying focused and feeling fulfilled in their their morning prayer experience. So what if instead of sitting down uh, or reclining on the couch and trying to stay awake in the morning, what if you walked it out? The second you you step out that front door, you're going to get your blood flowing. You'll you'll get oxygen to your brain. You'll be more alert, alert, more focused. You'll exercise more than your feet. You'll exercise your faith. And just begin to prayer walk your neighborhood. Like I said earlier and last week, your relationship with God must be your first priority every day. Not just on the Lord's Day, Sunday. If others can't see that you love God with everything that you are, heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And if they don't see you loving them that way, friends, we will never reach our life networks for Jesus. And those people that we love will be lost for all eternity. That's why I put on this diagram Christ in me in the center of the the My Life Network diagram. You have to prioritize that relationship and you have to be available to God to go anywhere he tells you to go and do what he did as you go into your life network. Your life network needs an example of a real follower of Jesus, not a hypocrite, not someone who says they love God or their neighbor, but never spends time with either of them. They don't need that. They need someone who is a real, genuine follower of Jesus, and they will pay attention. So we dare not let fear or laziness stop us from doing what Jesus gave us permission to do as we go into our life network. So here's a simple way that we can join walking and prayer in order to reclaim something that the early church just naturally did. And it will build your connection with God and your neighbors as well. In your bulletin, I put a thing called My 12 Prayer Map. You got one? My 12 Prayer Map. Thinking 12 disciples in my head. What are the immediate 12 houses around you in your neighborhood? It probably looks somewhat like a portion of your neighborhood if it, maybe you live on a cul-de-sac and it'd be bendy or whatever. Whatever, change it up if you need to on another piece of paper. But it looks like a portion of your neighborhood probably, at least the houses next to you and across the street. There's 12 houses on that map, and one of them is yours. If you know the people around you, I encourage you tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, or maybe you want to do this this afternoon, write in the names of the people in those boxes. Those are the houses. Write their names in those boxes. If you don't know those people in any of those homes, maybe a couple you do, but not all of them, ah, now you have an assignment. You have an as-you-go mission to do. Go to them. Get to know them. Hang out in your front yard till they are maybe cutting the grass or doing some yard work and then walk over and introduce yourself to them. Or if you, you've seen them before and you know them, go over and say, hey, we haven't talked for a long time. How's things going? Get to know them. Maybe do something a little bit more intentional. And just hang out in your yard a lot more during summer. Remember, we have only three months of summer. It's actually now down to two and a half. Uh. Hang out in your front yard. I know it's been too wet, hasn't it, to be called summer. But hang out in your front yard more. Be with your neighbors more. When they're walking by, invite them over. Have some extra lawn chairs on your, on your deck or on your patio or on your lawn or on your driveway. Uh, get a nice cooler if you don't have one. And, and stock it full of some, some good cold drinks for the summer. Just invite people over. That Yeti one there, Bonnie, that would look really nice on our patio, I think. I think you can get them at PV Mart. Isn't that right, guys? You've seen them? Yeah. Fill it with stuff and just invite people over and say, hey, sit a while. Let's talk. Just make the invitation to your neighbors. And you can map all that out on here and start to pray for those connections to happen. And God will literally make those things happen for you. You will literally get to know your neighbors because God will put those things into play. Now, maybe... You live in an apartment block. The inside of your apartment would probably look something like this. Or maybe you, you live with your folks or whatever. Or maybe you live, I don't know, at a hotel or something. Just get out and about where if maybe your workplace, maybe you have cubicles or offices that look something like this. Or maybe you, don't, maybe you work out in the field. Just take the 11 people you work the closest with and write their names in there and begin to prayer walk it out. And then start expanding your walk to encompass even more of your neighborhood. And if any of your neighbors asks you what you're doing, just say, well, I'm, you know what, I'm just out walking and praying for my neighbors. And then ask them, if, if you have anything, to pray, anything you'd like me to pray for, I'll pray for it right now. And some of them will say, yeah, sure, and they'll tell you. Some will say, no, nah, I'm good. Well, then just ask, well, does anyone in your family have any pain in their body? I find that one a really good entry point for people when when I'm wanting to pray for them. Do you have pain in your body? And oftentimes people do. And then you can say, can I pray for that right now? And even if they still say no, then you just make the invitation further and say, well, you know what? If there's ever anything I can do for you, if there's anything I can pray for you, please let me know. I'd be happy to do that, and I'll keep it confidential. That's the as-you-go ministry, folks. And you can do that wherever you are, whether in your neighborhood, at Starbucks, or downtown, or wherever you're walking, at work. You step foot out the door and you begin to pray. And praying for three things. Pray for a chance to eat with them. Pray for a chance for healing. Pray for revival and salvation. If they're Christians, pray that God becomes the priority of their everyday life, the center of their heart, mind, soul and strength, and pray that they join you in praying for your neighborhood and even reaching your neighborhood. Plan something with them to get the gospel to your neighbors. Even just a social get-together, a block party. If if they don't believe, pray for salvation. Pray that that obstacle to faith will be removed. Pray for what we call divine encounters, where God just sets up for you a moment where you're able to share Jesus with them. You'd be surprised what happens. And don't forget, every person in your My 12 prayer map has their own life network. I don't know about you, but I have people in my my life that I can't talk to, to them about Jesus anymore. They just don't want to hear it anymore. But you know what? They all have a life network too. Even my family that live in another province or down in somewhere else in another city. They all have a life network too. And in their life network, there will be people there who know Jesus. People that can share the love of Jesus with them. Who can pray for healing. So make that part of your prayer. And don't forget, God is on your side. And he has promised to answer your prayers. We have to believe that if prayer is anything, right? So pray for those Christians who are on your block, that they will have opportunities to share the love of God with their next-door neighbors. And the beauty of this map is even if it's pouring rain or a blizzard, which both happen a lot here in this province, you can still walk it through in your living room or wherever it is that you pray in the mornings. Friends, let's reclaim today our as-you-go ministry and start by prayer walking. It's simple. It's easy. It begins afresh every single morning when you wake up, and it continues everywhere you go throughout your life network in the day. Remember, Jesus said, just do what I have been doing. It's that simple. And when you step out the front door tomorrow morning, just say out loud to the Lord, Lord, as I go today, Help me put Jesus on display to the people in my life network. Help me to have compassion and help me to be able to see signs and wonders happen when I pray with people. And make a bold proclamation that, Lord, you will do whatever you can to make the kingdom of God known. Let's pray that right now, shall we? Father, we thank you for these examples for the accounting in Scripture of how, Lord, you so marvelously worked not only in the life of Jesus but also in the lives of the disciples and how, as Jesus promised, we could live that life. Everyone who believes will do the works I have been doing. Lord, today, help us to reclaim with great intention, our relationship with you, the living God. Lord, allow our heart, mind, soul, and strength to be so focused and prioritized on you that every day would be transformational. And Lord, help us to put Jesus on display wherever we go with compassion and signs and wonders. Lord, don't let us be afraid to pray for people publicly or to tell them about Jesus and what he can do for them. Lord, help us to be bold in our proclamation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. Thank you for this opportunity through a simple map to begin our pursuit of kingdom living, of as-you-go ministry. Lord, allow this map to train us to be intentional and to be powerful as we go out believing and trusting you to do the miraculous works that you have promised to perform. We love you, Lord, and are so grateful for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.